What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 78 of the Two Metal for this podcast. I'm Jason. With me, as always, is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott, here to remind you that at one point, your mom was probably banged out to Def Leppard. Ouch. They were very popular back then during that time. So next time you hear it, pour some sugar on me. She had some sugar poured on her. I'm sorry, everyone. This is a really bad way to start the show. And we are talking about the Northeast, so. On a positive, yeah, I don't know what that has to do with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, anyways, on a positive note, I want to give out a couple of shout outs this week. Who we got? We got Jeff Zapita. All right, our man in Arizona. Dennis Jaza. Hey. Local guy. Kevin Dragustinovis. Another local Big guy. Big Babe Jesus. No, I going to get some. Dennis Reynolds and Charlie Kelly. Nice. They're not local. Nah, I think they're from Philly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you guys uh, listening every week and tuning in for the show. If you're out there listening and for some reason you haven't already, please give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at 2 Metal for this. And if you're shy and you don't want to comment where everybody can see, Hit us up in the DMs or send us an email at 2metalforthis at yahoo.com. We got a cool episode for you this week. Yeah. We're going to be yeah. talking about some cool bands from the Northeast United States. Why is that cool? Because there's some cool fucking music that started cool up bands. there. Especially uh, if you're like Justin and I and you're really into the metalcore, uh, that's kind of the birthplace. So, mm-hmm. kind of cool shit from New York. But especially the metal gore. Yeah. Guar. Probably talk about New York a lot when we get into hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of good hardcore from New York. Uh, I dread that day. What's the uh, death core? Where are them guys mostly from? You know, I don't know. uh, Nothing. That's a good question. Kind of everywhere. Seems like it's kind of spread out. Yeah. Mm. So Bobby's also going to do some music reviews for us this week. Barely again. Fucking yeah. two years. Beginning of the year. Beginning slowly. of the year, man. There's nothing. Every Friday, and I'm opening up my Spotify, looking, and I'm like, oh, there's nothing here. Hey, but we got that Announce the Apocalypse album. I mean, that's Absolutely. good shit. So at least we got that this year so oh, far. Yeah, totally. It's on the list. The right. Experience Machine. And I told you guys on social media, but if you haven't already, you need to check that album out. You will not regret it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Before we get into those music reviews, here's Justin with the news. The news. Code Orange have canceled their upcoming headline tour. And have pulled out a Shiprocked and SummerSlam Fest due to serious health issues from their guitarist, Dom. Refunds are available, but we do wish Dom the best. Jason was excited to see them on Shiprocked. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I'm pretty fucking bummed that they're not going to be on there. They had one of my top albums in 2023. Mm. But I respect the decision that they made because they're such a close band. And they basically say in their statement, like, hey, we've been doing this stuff together since we were teenagers. We're not playing without him. Yeah, they could they could have picked a fill-in and they decided not to. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to come back around when he's better. I mean, it's a bummer for the fans. But you know what? If you're that close and your brother's like that, like, I respect it. It's cool. And they're giving the money back, right? Yeah. Yep. I just hope Shiprock can find a, a replacement. I'm 
it's pretty short notice. But we got like uh, I'm hoping maybe we three can weeks? Uh, maybe we'll get nine wounds. four weeks. We might get nine point. Elias is already on the ship as a stowaway. Where they only nine point is playing the pre-party for shipwrecked. So yeah, that's a valid. That's a good replacement yeah, too. I give them they're already there. I'm hoping we'll it'll see. happen. They did it last year, right? They've done it a bunch of times. So they know the gig. They probably, uh, they yeah. probably, there's their plan B. They might like look into something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that would be a smart thing. Hey, what else can we get? And and then fall back on the number one. Yeah. For those interested in Shiprock, when is it, Jason? You'll be there soon. It's February something. Hey, it's in February. There's a lot of concerts in go. February. Forgive us. Yeah. We'll be all over the place. If you're in Central uh, Florida and you go to a concert, you'll probably see one of us because we'll be everywhere. Yeah. So Darkest Hour has a headline tour coming up with I Am and Mouth of War, Filth of Eternal, and Sumnuri. This starts uh, February 29th in Richmond, and it ends April 6th in Washington, D.C. So not being funny, but which I Am is this? Is it the E-Y-E or is it the I? It's like the dog food, I Am. Okay. Or I'm. Yeah, because yeah. it gets confusing now because now there's many, two yeah. bands with the, yeah. yeah. At least two. <laughs> the letter I. I am hell is all one fucking word. Too. Yeah. At least that it hell to the end of it. It's still all fucking dumb, confusing shit. Yep. I hate God. Come on, Kirk, man. You could have done better than that shit. And 7734, hell. All right. You 90s kids know. Upon a burning body, have a headline run lined up with the Browning victims and hollow front in support starting March 28th in Lubbock, Texas, and it ends April 28th in Nashville, Tennessee. Hollow front? Hollow front victims is spelled spelled VCTMS, by the way. Victims pretty good live. I've seen them before. They took out all the vowels in that word for some reason. That's the new thing. Spelling. Yeah. Some V's instead of W's but, uh, and shit. I wouldn't mind seeing that show, actually. Upon a Burning Body and the Branding, yeah. Victims? What do they sound like? Victims is pretty good. It's a uh, little bit more on the hardcore side, okay. but a uh, little bit of metal in there. Yeah. I have not, forgot, not metal core, though. It's like... Would he like it? Probably not. So I would Mike like it. You might. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it's a good way to figure shit out. Hey, on that Darkest Hour tour, I forgot to mention Mouth of War and Filth of Eternal. They rotate the first and second half of the tour. So if you want to see either of those bands, make sure you check out your dates first. A lot of tours are doing that. Cattle Decapitation and Carnifex will go on a headlining tour with Rivers of Nihil, mm-hmm. Humanity's Last Breath, The Zenith Passage, Vitual, and Face Yourself in Support. That's a lot of fucking bands in one show. Mm. That starts uh, April 20th. Good day. Mesa, Arizona. Or Mesa. Is that how you say it, Jason? It's Mesa. 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 That's like Jar Jar talk. <laughs> that ends May 26th in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's not coming out this way? There was a Florida date. I didn't write it down there. Uh-huh. That's a sick lineup, dude. Uh-huh. I would love to go to that. Mm-hmm. I need to see cattle decap on this. That was one run. of your uh, surprise ones. From yep. like, yeah, like, yeah. There you go. So look up the date. Go check it out. But that's the news this week. I'll see you all next week. All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right, first up, we got Cosmic Joke, self-titled.
Nine songs, 14 minutes, hardcore punk from California. Everything sounds tight and clean. Guitar has a killer crunch, got a fat round bass, solid drumming. Vocals are decent. Uh, this is the melodic, catchy stuff uh, that could almost be on the radio, but it's just a little too non-conformant. The title track is the standout. That one leans heavily into the uh, traditional hardcore stuff. Killer song. The closing track, Morphine, is also a cool one. If you're into bands like Bad Religion and Pennywise, and check out the self-titled debut album from Cosmic Joke. That's four upside-down pentagrams. Next, we got The Clamps. Mega Mouth is the album. Ten songs, 35 minutes of stoner rock from Italy. Title track opener called Mega Mouth, and it's two and a half minutes instrumental. Thought that was funny. Uh, this is some more of the cool stuff coming out of the desert rock scene in Europe. Fuzzed out riffing, big rock and grooves, gravelly vocals that are not awesome. Uh, this stuff is more hard rock flavored than blues. The standouts are Bill Jenkins and Kubo Medusa, which was another cool instrumental. If you're into stuff like Dozer and Lowrider, check out what's going on in Italy. A new one from the Clamps, Mega Mouth. That's a three and a half upside down pentagrams. Vocals really held that one back. And last but not least, we got Lord Dying with their new one, Clandestine Transcendence. Twelve songs, just under an hour. Progressive melodic sludge from Portland. Some really cool unorthodox stuff here. It's all really thought out and well executed. There's technical deaths mixed with melodic alternative flavors, mixed with progressive epic metal style, uh, reminiscent of something that Devin Townsend would do. The vocals switch between the Chris Goss-style cleans and gutturals that sound like Ben from Goat Whore, and then sometimes there's ladies on the backup vocals that added some interesting harmonies. I know it's only a few, few weeks in, but so far, these are the best drums of the year. Kevin Schwartz is a badass. Check that guy out. He got really cool riffing, but it all gets pretty weak on the back end of the record. Standout songs are I Am Nothing, I Am Everything, and Facing the Incomprehensible. Definitely the most interesting album of 2024 so far. Lord Dying on their fourth full-length album, Clandestine Transcendence. So four upside-down pentagrams. That's it. Go listen to a band whose name starts with black and stay curious, motherfuckers. This week, we're going to be talking about bands from the Northeast in the United States. A lot of cool stuff going on up there. A lot of cool shit. As mm -hmm. we mentioned in the intro, you know, a lot of metalcore comes from up in that area. You got a lot of cool hardcore stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Cannibal Corpse, even at one point. Oh, uh, yeah, Death Metal scene is fucking brutal up there. Yeah. Weird art stuff. Guar, they're from the Northeast, you know. So we're going to try to just bring you six different bands here. Give you some stuff to check out if you're not familiar and maybe drop a little bit of knowledge on you that you didn't know prior. So uh, we're going to get started first uh, with Bobby this week. All right. What you got for us, Bobby? All right. So uh, bands from Northeast. I got a weird pick, I guess. I don't really think of these guys when I think of Northeast, but I guess that's a good reason to bring them up. Revocation, technical death power trio coming out of Boston, Massachusetts. 
Uh, the original lineup was Dave Davison on guitar and vocals, Anthony Buddha on bass and vocals, Phil Dubois on the drums. These guys started out back in 2000 under the name Cryptic Warning, which is fucking dumb. I think Revocation's cooler. They kicked out some shitty demos for almost a decade. Then uh, in 2006, they changed their name to Revocation and got serious about their songwriting. This was the same three guys, just scrapped the fucking old name, went back to the drum board, came up with Revocation. In 2008, they released their debut full-length album, Empire of the Obscene. Uh, this was the only album they released independently. It's 11 songs, 55 minutes. It's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, has a bit of the Northeast metalcore sound to it. But for the most part, it's a hardcore-flavored death metal. Uh, the early stuff has a youthful attitude of everything fast and everything busy equals awesome. Hmm. You know, while that's impressive, the songs seem a bit rushed. Uh, the vocals, though, I thought back in the day were way better. He sounds like uh, John Carty if he was fronting a hardcore band. But all throughout their catalog, uh, they tried different things vocally, weird effects here and there. Uh, they always got guest vocalists. Sometimes they have like, some weird choir-type shit going on. Lyrically, they've stayed pretty consistent, though. It's uh, a lot of anti-religion, existential dread, and Lovecraftian-themed cosmic horror, often referencing Carcosa and the Yellow King, which is fucking cool shit. The third album, Chaos Forms, is the last to have Anthony Buddha on bass, and then they added a second guitarist, Dan Gargilo, which now allows Dave Davison to approach the songwriting a little differently. Now he's shown the obvious influence of Dave Mustaine big time by incorporating 72 leads into every fucking song, and the riffs sound like the goddamn solo. I guarantee you these dudes practice a lot. Anyways, the extra guitar also allows for a much-needed melodic touch, adding cool harmonies to the cool catchy grooves, not just blistering solos, and the uh, look-what-we-can-do stunt riffing. Fourth album is the self-titled one, and the first to have Brett Bamberger on the bass. He's been there ever since, and it's well-earned. This dude is a badass, super talented music. He gets into some of that funk, jazz, fusion type stuff. 2016's Great Is Our Sin. We have Ash Pearson behind the drums now, and he's there from now on. This guy is unbelievable. He's the new Gene Hoagland, if you ask me. Both these guys really opened up where this band can go sonically. The track Apex uh, from the album Deathless showcases this with an amazing instrumental that's uh, prog metal, melodic, technical, death arena rock, alternative post-thrash with just a pinch of groove. Uh, you guys check out any of the other Revocation shit? I think that about covers it for Apex. The machine gun <laughs> drums, super fast riffing, goes mm-hmm. into a whimsical, melodic bit. That's cool. It all works It does. It all flows very good back and forth. Yeah, so very familiar with, uh, you know, nihilistic violence. Mm -hmm, The newer stuff, yeah. Um, So this was kind of fun going back and listening to some of this other stuff. Totally. Uh, Chaos Forms, that one, like, really stood out to me. Great title track. There's some crazy riffing in that one. 
And I like the, the vocals are a little different there. Like uh, they're higher. Constantly just, experimenting with the vocals. Yeah. Like I originally didn't like the vocal. I heard the first shit I heard was the last album. I was like, I'm only freak on that shit. Then you go back and you're like, oh, he was a hardcore dude who got into death metals. And then he's trying all these different shit. It doesn't always work, but it's cool. You're trying different shit. A lot of different uh, guests come in. I, yeah. I like that every album kind of has its own flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, like on Terra to Genesis, uh, it's really thrashing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of sounds like a whole different band, you know, at uh, times. So, hey, have you, did you see the album cover for that? It's like it's a blur with a weird insect like thing all morphed together. Yeah, and the there's greens got, and the yeah. purples and shit, very sci fi. Very, very cool looking. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, man, uh, they got like an interesting catalog. None of it sucks. It starts pretty good and just gets better. Uh, you hear them progress and mature as musicians and songwriters. The early shit, obviously influenced by the big four of thrash, but then also by the big four of New York death metal, shit like Immolation Incantation. You can hear that shit big time. Uh, but as time went on, you would hear like the Scandi stuff come in, like the Inflame style riffing, and then there's a bit of that Gojira kind of uh, progressive grooves, and then there'll be some 80s Judas Priest type shit, man. These guys are just pulling from everything like you said each album has a whole different flavor like they tackle one area get it locked down apply it to their arsenal and then on to the next thing just keep progressing very fucking cool band uh there's hints of the metal core in there but instead of the testament style riffs they have more of the anthrax attack again showing that northeast sound uh davison is easily becoming one of my favorite guitarists he's a riff making machine but his leads, man, the dude can pull off the technical fruit noodles. He's got the rip roaring shredders. He's got those bluesy southern rock type leads full of swagger. A little bit of mathy stuff, some noises, just everything full of character and style. I love hearing that dude fucking play. Uh, the last album, Nether Heaven, was the one that I first got into, which has him back as a three piece now. Like, for some reason, they started out as a three piece, added a fourth guy, and then went back to the three piece. I don't know what the fucking deal is there. Uh, but their last album is their best work. It's a culmination of everything they've been doing so far. There's no, look what I've learned what to do. It's more of a look where I've gone now that I've learned these things. We can go on these cool sonic adventures with all these fucking tools of heaven. That's just fucking awesome to hear. This is a super talented band, and this is what talent and fucking hard work sounds like. Uh, I saw them twice last year. First was on that curse tour with Morbid Angel. Remember the roof fell in and shit? Mm. Uh, Crypta's vehicle kept breaking down and Dave Davison broke his fucking hand and uh, he still finished the tour with the backup guitarist and there's no solos and shit and he had said something along the lines of uh, James Hetfield fucking can do it I can do it too so that was cool and uh, it was still a badass fucking show he's up there like air guitar into his own songs and stuff I thought that was pretty fucking party you know getting the fucking crowd going and shit you know finish out the tour and then towards the end of the year, I saw him for the second time. And of course, he's behind the guitar now. And uh, he's struggling through some of the solos, you can tell. But he's still fucking putting in the work. You can tell he's practicing. He's going through the fucking pain. He's eating the shit. And he's still trying to crank out something cool for the fans. And that's fucking awesome. These guys have integrity, man. Hopefully, they got some new stuff coming soon. Until that, check out their catalog. It's eight full lengths and a couple of EPs, all of which are pretty fucking good music. From the Northeast, check out Revocation. All right, everyone. Next band we're going to talk about is God Forbid. If you've listened to more than a couple episodes of this podcast, you probably know that I like this band a little bit. Uh, They've been a very important band in my life and have influenced a lot of my musical taste. 
God Forbid, is a metalcore band from East Brunswick, New Jersey. They were formed in 1996 by two brothers, Doc and Dallas Coyle, who played lead and rhythm guitar, respectively. Uh, they grew up listening to thrash metal and classic metal bands, but they also grew up right in the middle of a booming hardcore scene. Mm. The results of those ingredients can be felt throughout their musical catalog. Uh, along with Byron Davis on lead vocals, John Alcott on the bass, and Corey Pierce on the drums, the band released their first full-length album, Reject the Sickness, in 1999, via some label I've never heard of, Nine Volt Industries. Yeah. Maybe the battery ran out. Venture a guess that maybe they're not around anymore. This used to be a tough album to find, but uh, you can find it now on streaming services. They re-released it under the name Sickness and Misery. So it actually features Reject the Sickness as well as one of their EPs, Out of Misery. Hmm, cool. uh, it's admittedly not the easiest listen. Uh, the production quality is pretty rough. The band was definitely very young and experimental here. But you can hear the foundation for what's to come. And that said, at this point, the band are still leaning much more in the hardcore sound uh, mm -hmm. than the metal. Yeah. And it's the one I like. Of course. Every time the shitty production. Yeah, that's the, the yeah, hardcore as fuck. It's yeah. just straight hardcore. It's like, I like that one. And that's what happened. You had metal guys that grew up in the hardcore scene, so. Reject the Sickness did its job, though. They got them some exposure, caught the attention of Century Media Records. They signed the band and put out their second full-length album. Determination in April of 2001. Album was produced by Zeus, well-known producer in the scene. Does a lot of Hatebreed stuff. Uh, this album starts to see a little bit more of the metal elements creeping in, but I'd say it's still a little bit more on the chaotic hardcore sound overall. Uh, songs like Broken Promise really highlight this aspect. Yeah, it's a good song, man. Uh, like I said, the early stuff was cooler, way more hardcore sounding than the metallic hardcore and then they went straight metalcore yeah yeah broken but, uh, promise is uh much more raw i think yeah uh, and they still play that one live it's a good track yeah determination was definitely different though but that album is definitely the one that started to make some things happen for them they got the opportunity to tour with shadows fall and lamb of god sounds which right. sounds awesome but lamb of god really wasn't the huge band that they are now during that time but still pretty cool who's the headliner shadows fall I think Shadows Fall was the headliner. That's wild to think, I would rather it? see that show. God forbid open Lamb of God and then Shadows Fall. At that era, I would have Oh, it would have been that. sick. <laughs> it wasn't until the next album, though, when they really broke through. Uh, they released Gone Forever in February of 2004. And this is the album where they really embraced the metal elements and they kind of formed their signature sound. Uh, this album still, to this day, is my favorite God Forbid album. One of my favorite metal albums of all times. Mm. Uh, songs like Antihero really showcase the large dose of metal that they injected into their sound, while songs like Washed Out World show a little bit more of the progressive nature that some of their songs would take on. Yeah, they're much more polished band here. Um, the guitar works top-notch, as are, is the drumming. Oh! 
Force Fed and Better Days are two other standouts on this album that I like a lot. Oh, yeah. There's really no bad songs on no. this album. It's definitely the metalcore stuff. Uh, they got a lot of bunch of cool riffs in there, but I don't really like how they arrange them, so it uh, doesn't always work for me. And on that song, Washed Up World, when it gets to the soft bit and he's doing like a little uh, snare roll, whatever was going on with the kick sounds fucking really weird. <laughs> and I didn't like that. That fucking bothered me. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, metalcore stuff, but these guys, they have a different approach to it. It's not so much the testamenty stuff. Uh, they had a little bit more, like, it kind of got the Inflames Scandi type yeah. of metalcore sound. And uh, listening to this shit over the past week, I figured out what I really don't like about the metalcore thing. It's a very clean style. The production mm-hmm. is always clean and oh, crisp. super clean. They don't use a lot of effects or nothing. It's pretty mm-hmm. much just distortion. Uh, I like some dirty, scummy, even death metal gets, they're like fucking entombed or something. And then you don't get that, nah, that metalcore at all. And it just dawned on me. I was like, everything just sounds great, I guess. Which is, yeah, it's funny. Probably, probably the reason that you don't like it is the reason that it appeals to us. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. A nice, clean, crisp production. The solos are clean. <laughs> and just, I don't know. Like, Take one yeah. of my favorite guitar tones. It comes out of metalcore. It's, Love it. Yuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, cool little side note. Jeff Loomis of Nevermore and Arc Enemy actually contributed the guitar solo on the song Soul Engraved. Oh, I nice. That was I didn't know neat. that. That's cool. Hmm. So they released the fourth album, Constitution of Treason, in September of 05. Definitely another step up for the band in terms of songwriting and arrangements, but also uh, in terms of production. Uh, this one was produced by Jason Sukoff. Uh, definitely sees the songs get a, a much bigger sound, and the band goes in more of a technical direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feel that on songs like The Lonely Dead. Kind of sums up the vibe of this album, I think. And we've talked about this before. We did a track-by-track track review on this album, if I remember right. Uh, but The Lonely Dead, man, that is the God-forbid track to listen to. If I'm telling somebody to listen to this band, that's the first song I'm sending them. So yeah, it's start. Got the obligatory uh, Testament stuff. They keep it heavy. But it's got a little bit of the uh, Shadows Fall type uh, elements in there. And I guess that was the exact sound happening. You said they were on fucking tour with them, so that's going to make more sense. But uh, this was... Better of the newer sound that they had is one of the better tracks, I thought. Not right. a fan of the metalcore stuff, but this one was a good one. When we did. Yeah, so this was actually the band's first album to actually chart on billboards. Debuted at 118. <laughs> it's something. The band also won an award from the Independent Music Awards for Best Hard Rock Heavy Metal Song for the song The Fallen Hero. So that's pretty neat. Right. It's another great one. That album's top to bottom, just so good. They released their fifth album, Earth's Blood, in February of 2009, and this album saw the band continue to push themselves uh, without straying too far from their core sound. But if you listen to songs like War of Attrition, uh, you can kind of hear the progression from the last album. That track is super aggressive. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I had the cool riffs, and then it went into like almost like living color type stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then like had really more like cooler riffs on the back end. Uh, like, like Cult of Personality? Yeah, like it was fucking really <laughs> weird arrangements, man. I I'm going to blow your mind, Justin, but did you know that Living Color's got like lots of other songs? Really? And they're fucking Didn't good. Didn't know that. They're coming, they're coming to Janice, <laughs> by the way. But yeah, I mean. No, I love Living Color, yeah, dude. But it was so that, that weird. Bobby just uh, made me realize why I like the song so much. Uh, art metal, I guess. But I don't know what the fuck you like. Ain't no more and Living yeah. Color with art. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But it had those elements in there, That's which is why stick that up. song stood out to me. There you go. This also ended up being the last album to feature Dallas Coyle on rhythm guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an interesting blog that Dallas wrote for Metal Sucks back in 2010. 
uh, goes into great detail about why he decided to leave the band. Uh, it's an interesting read uh, for sure. So if you're a fan of the band, check it out. But the short version is it's not always easy to be in a metal band and sometimes you got to make tough choices. So the band decided to move on. They replaced Dallas with uh, Darkest Hour guitarist Chris Norris, finished out the tour, and then they found a permanent replacement with Mac Wickland. And once they had the new lineup situated, they released their sixth album and the only album to not feature Dallas on guitar in March of 2012. The album was titled Equilibrium. And you can really hear a band that's trying to figure out who they are with the new lineup and where they fit into a scene that they helped the spearhead. The album's a little bit disjointed, but one thing that stands out about this one is that Byron does actually start to do some of his own clean vocals, where Dallas and Doc had always covered those parts in the past. And you can hear it, you can hear a difference, especially if you listen to songs like the title track, Equilibrium. It's pretty far from where the band started, I think. This is an album I actually never listened to. So this was this thing, listening to Equilibrium, this track was the first time I'd ever heard anything from the album. And I had a very different sound with the cleans. And I was going to ask, is that Byron doing the cleans? Because it kind of sounded like it. So that answer is that. It is Byron. Different, very different. I want to go back and listen to the whole album, though. It's a good track. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think it's a bad album. It's, it's interesting, but it's pretty good overall. If you're comparing it to the early stuff, you might be like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, but it's far away from there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it definitely leaned way into the fucking cleans of the title track, Equilibrium. But it sounded like if Matt Heafy wrote a Seven Dust song. <laughs> had that right. fucking vibe to it. I mean, once you have the ability to re uh, get to a different sonic range, you know, your songwriting is going to go a little different. That's hmm. what it sounded like to me. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they brought in a whole different element that they weren't utilizing before. You had this guy that never did any of the, the clean singing, and, you know, you don't know what he can do. So yeah. now you're like, oh, we can we can do this. Let's fucking find out. Kind of like when Sepultura got there. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Man, it took a while for them to fucking find their shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, sadly, Doc Coyle announced on his personal website in August of 2013 that he had chosen to leave, God forbid, and the remaining members went on to confirm the breakup on their own sites. They were completely inactive for almost a decade until they reunited in 2022 to play Blue Ridge Rock Fest. And that led to a few more one-off shows, including Lamb of God's Headbangers Boat. Uh, Doc Coyle has said that he's open to the possibility of recording new music in the future. So fingers crossed that that'll happen. In the meantime, you can check out Doc Coyle with his current band, Bad Wolves. But just know that you're getting into something very different than God forbid. It's more radio friendly. Definitely. It is what it is. Definitely. And he's not one of the primary songwriters in that band. So uh different vibe for sure. But if you if you need a dot coil fix, there you go. Uh but yeah, if you like Metalcore and you've never heard this band for some reason, yeah, start with Gone Forever and don't stop until you get to the end. And once you've acquired a taste for the band, go back and check out Determination and start over. It's probably a good strategy. God yeah. fucking forbid. Great Check band. those guys out. Great yeah. band. We're going to continue the metalcore train here. <laughs> talk about Kill Switch Engage. No, I mean, if we're going to talk about metalcore, we got to talk about them. That's the metalcore band. It's the I metal. Think metal that was the first band I heard that had that fucking label or whatever and they had that sound. Yeah. They do it. That's why I would compare it all to that. They like, are. I'm a metalcore band. Like, they see what you did that they didn't. They are from Massachusetts. How do you say it, Bobby? In the Massachusetts. Hey, there you go. 
formed in 1999 by current guitarist Adam D, who was playing drums at the time, and bassist Mike D'Antonio. They recruited guitarist Joel Strotzel. I'm going to butcher all these names and that's okay. And vocalist Jesse Leach to round out the lineup. They recorded a four-track demo shortly after, and it was released at their very first show, which was opening for In Flames in November 1999. What a first show, right? It's fucking badass. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until this week, but I thought that was pretty cool. God damn. Uh, In July 2000, they would release their self-titled debut album, which was nine tracks, ran about 32 minutes. Uh, Temple From Within and Vita Infra opened the album, and they were re-recorded for their second album. Irreversal was re-recorded for their third album, and Soil Burn was actually the first song the band wrote. Those are all on the first album. All four are standout tracks, though, and definitely worth checking out. Overall, it's more raw than their later releases. The cleans are almost non-existent at this point. Which Bobby likes. It's good stuff. Uh, But it's still laying the groundwork for everything metalcore that would follow with tons of happy Scandi-influenced riffs, two-stepping drumming, harsh screams, and meaningful lyrics with huge breakdowns. Yep, that's metalcore. Nailed it. Yeah, it was a it was a raw recording, but the, the sound was there. It was there. It was there. It was the pieces. So two years later, in May 2002, Alive or Just Breathing was released. It was 12 tracks for 45 minutes. This was their first release on Roadrunner, and right from the opening track, Number Days, you immediately notice the difference. Uh, the band sounds more focused. Uh, they're clean. You start to get more layers as Adam D comes in with some melodic vocals. Uh, My Last Serenade was the band's first real ballad and the lead single on the album. Still to this day is the most popular track from the album. But the track immediately following Life to Lifeless is one of my favorite tracks Mm -hmm. as Jesse's harsh vocals never sounded better than they do right here. And the verses have a neck-stapping bounce to them. Did you guys hear Life to Lifeless? I know you've heard that before, right? And still he got the ripoff of uh, Unbroken Pantera. God damn it, you said that before and I I don't agree with you. It's my favorite song on that album. It's my favorite song by the band, and it's totally ripped. It's always it's been. Great. That's been my favorite song since the first time I heard it. Fucking and it's right after the inducing ass beater, man. Yeah, it's yeah. right after Last Serenade, right? Like it is. That was yeah. the so fucking it, hit it, or whatever. It, it, it breaks you right out of it. Like it's perfect. Another standout track is The Closer, Rise Inside. That's a song about unifying and standing together. It's the perfect closer for this landmark metalcore album. This set the bar that all others had to try to reach. Totally. Dude, that song, that gradual tempo change, Mm -hmm. and it just like gradually gets faster and faster. 
That's one of my favorite fucking things I've ever heard in a song, yeah. man. I love that shit. It is a great closer. I don't think we've talked about it on closing tracks. Maybe if we do a volume three. We'll no, but we've up. talked about the song for we sure. Have. So Yeah, we have. I do. Check out our punch out episode. Correct. Correct. Maybe I will. Jesse Leach. <laughs> Jesse Leach liked that one. He uh, told us so on Instagram. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, so that was also the first uh, album that Adam D would produce. He also recorded drums and guitar both on the album, which would lead to him moving full-time to guitar. And Tom Gomes would fill in for uh, the drums during the touring cycle. Jesse Leach then left the band shortly after release of the album. He was replaced with Blood Has Been Shed frontman Howard Jones. And uh, Justin Foley would join the band as the full-time drummer before they would record the next album. While Alive or Just Breathing set the bar, Two years later, in May 2004, they moved that goalpost again with the release of their biggest album to date, which is The End of Heartache. I see you shaking your head, Bobby. We'll get to you in a minute. Uh, It's 12 tracks, 42 and a half minutes, opening with A Bid Farewell, and quickly you get a taste of Howard's huge vocal on this album. So, in fairness, Alive or Just Breathing is the superior album. But... We can debate that If I'm being honest... I don't know that Killswitch would have ever reached the level that they did without Howard joining the band yeah. and putting out End of Heartache because that was that just catapulted mm-hmm. them into a whole another level. And then Zach, you're in. Just real quick, I really like that album. Like the music's fucking awesome, but I hate it because I fucking hate Howard Jones's voice. I can't listen to it, so I can't listen to the cool riffs. Don't like that deep baritone. Like, it, now shut the fuck hey, up. Good. I hate that dude. Bobby with some cleans. You heard that? Yeah, we, we can definitely, we, we definitely know he doesn't like Volbeat. Oh, hell uh, no. But man, but the riffs are really cool on the album. Yeah. Like I've heard it a bunch. I've suffered through it, but I, I, Adam, I don't want to. Adam D plays his ass off on here. So but you're literally shit. the only person I've ever met that does not like Howard Jones. I can introduce yeah. you to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll like me. <laughs> nah. Man. When Darkness Falls and Rosa Sharon are two other standouts, but no track made a bigger impact than the title track, The End of Heartache. Mm. Uh, which to me is a perfect representation of the album and metalcore as an entire genre. Uh, top to bottom, uh, you'll be hard-pressed to find an album that's made a bigger impact to the metalcore scene than this one. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Don't act like you've never fucking cried listening to End of Heartache, you emotionless bastards. You don't count, Bobby. You're Bobby's emotionless and black. <laughs> yeah, Uh, They were never going to top End of Heartache. Uh, There was just something special about that album. But their fourth album, As Daylight Dies, was a solid follow-up. And it was released in November 2006. It was 11 tracks, 43 and a half minutes. The opening track is a good one with a slow build into the album, which I love. And it seemed like they were picking right up where Heartache left off. But there's a lot more melodic ballads and slowdown before uh, with tracks like The Arms of Sorrow and Desperate Times. And the most streamed song in their catalog, My Curse. Uh, None of these songs were bad, but it started to come off more kind of paint-by-numbers in the previous albums. The uh, deluxe edition would add one of my absolute favorite Pitfield Killswitch songs, which is This Fire, as well as a popular cover of Holy Diver by Dio. God, this fire. I forgot how badass oh, that was. That's fucking great. And of course you love it. They played that shit on fucking wrestling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> CM Punk. That's a... Isn't that his? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's the one. Yeah. Now he's cold, cold. Oh, that made Riff for fire. Dude, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. 
Mm. He also comes out to Cult of Personality by uh, your Living Color band there too, buddy. All right. Two CM Punk references in one episode. People don't get out Don't of be here. like Justin. Listen yeah, to be, other. Don't even finish the freaking Don't be like Justin. Listen to other sweet. Living Color songs because they're a good fucking band. Hmm. To be determined. If you like Living Color, I encourage you to get in the comments and let me know why. I don't yeah. have an opinion otherwise. It's going to be crickets. Ain't nobody like Living nah. Color. Yeah. That's just me. I'm their only fan. Just me. Yeah. They do a show and like I'm just this weird fucking uh-huh. fat bearded guy at the front, of the front row. Mm-hmm. Play that cool bass line. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I totally derailed you. I started it, but it's whatever. <laughs> in an odd move, the band would release another self-titled album in June 2009. It was 11 tracks for 38 long minutes. A really forgettable album that is easily the lowest point in the band's catalog. It felt soulless. Like, they just put an album out to fill a quota for the record label. I absolutely mm. hated this album. I have nothing good to say about it. I mean, it's not a one, but it's just... There's nothing there. It's not a one, but it's probably a two. Yeah, it's, it's probably a definitely a two. It's just not good. In January 2012, Howard Jones left the band, Bobby celebrated, and Jesse Leach rejoined mm-hmm. full-time. He did. Uh, their sixth album, Disarm the Descent, was released in April 2013. 12 tracks, about 41 minutes, which is about the average for all their albums. Mm-hmm. We did an in-depth track-by-track review on this album as well. It was on episode 71, so go back and check that out if you want to. Pretty recently then, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. But from the opening scream of The Hell and Me to the catchy chorus of In Due Time to the beatdown that is no end in sight, this was a triumphant return to the Kings of Metalcore. Yes, totally good to have Jesse back, but this stuff starts leaning a little more into the uh, radio-friendly stuff that they established on the previous albums with Howard Jones. I mean, keep the fucking formula, add the old guy. Sounds better. His fucking cleans are way better. Wasn't like a fan of them, but he definitely had practice and leveled up on that shit, so good job there. I would actually disagree that it was more radio-friendly. I thought it went more into... No, what more radio-friendly let- than the their early shit, like... The Howard Jones stuff was very, right. very. They, they added those elements yeah. into it. Is what I, was I thought this was a good blend of right, like a sequel to As Daylight Dies, or not As Daylight Dies. Um, Alive or just Alive breathing. Or just breathing. I, yeah. right. I agree yeah. with you, Justin. Like I think this album was what I would call like Return to the Roots type album. But after that, they do start going a little bit more little back bit. to the mm-hmm. to the radio type stuff. If this had come out right after, uh, they would not have gained a popularity, like you said, with the... the nah, Howard, yeah, Howard was, was they, the they, secret ingredient. Yeah. Um, you know, I... And perfect I, storm on that one. I'm Team Jesse all day, but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess the punch out might say otherwise, but, you know... I, it did. Yeah. Spoiler, if you Why go back... Just Breathing is the album. That's mm. the Kill Switch album for me. Mm. It's great. But, uh, yeah, totally. They needed They needed Howard, and they needed those big emotional hooks. That's what brought them to the mainstream to begin with. In 2016, they would release their seventh album, Incarnate. It was 12 tracks, 44 minutes. I like to call this era their late Metallica era, where the (laughs) albums are good, but all the songs to me start to blend together. The closer loyalty is the standout track, and it's a brutal reminder of just how heavy this band can get when they want to, while still keeping the clean, catchy choruses. That breakdown is a neck snapper, and it has a nice fade out to close it. Yeah. Didn't like that stuff. Radio friendly. I like that it starts out with the... <clears throat> that was that was missed. We hadn't, we hadn't had that in a while. 
Yeah, I mean, Jesse does that a scream at pretty much the beginning of every song. It's fucking great, though. We didn't have it the whole time Howard yeah. was there. Uh, Atonement was the eighth and most recent full-length album released in August of 2019. 11 tracks, 39 minutes. The opener, Unleashed, instantly grabs you back in, and The Signal Fire features Howard Jones. It's pit-spinning madness. Uh, like the previous album, there's a lot to like here, but much of it becomes forgettable once the album is over. Mm-hmm. In May 2020, Killswitch would release a six-track EP of unreleased songs from the Atonement Sessions titled Atonement 2, B-Sides for Charity, and they donated 100% of the proceeds to COVID-19 relief. Uh, if you were a fan of the main release, this adds more, but nothing really stood out for me off this one either. See, I think uh, those B-Sides are were, better. were better than most of the songs on the album. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I still... Yeah. It does the album just as a whole doesn't stand out to me. It's not bad. I wouldn't shit on it at all, but it's just But Signal Fire is hard, right? Yes, it is. And bring back Howard for the duo there. I mean, that's cool stuff, you know. Harsh and clean vocals and powerful lyrics, massive breakdowns, double bass, happy riffs, shredding solos. Killswitch are one of the godfathers of metalcore and are still going strong over 20 years later. Uh, one of the few bands who was able to switch lead singers and not skip a beat. In fact, they got better for a little while there before Howard kind of started struggling, but they recognized that, and then they got rid of him, and Jesse came back to shoot new life back into the band. Uh, but Adam D. and Howard are working on a side project this year. Uh, it's interested to see what they do there. It's been four years, though, since a Killswitch's album has come out, and I'm ready for a new one. So hopefully right after they get done with their side project, Adam D gets Jesse and the guys back in the studio and we get some more kill switch because uh, we need a new one. Yeah, four years is about time. Get in the fucking studio. Yeah. Too long. You're not too old. <laughs> I agree. All right. That's three cool bands from the Northeast. We got three more coming next week. So check us out. Stay tuned, motherfuckers. All right, everyone. That is our episode for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our discussion on bands from the Northeast. Make sure you tune in next week when we talk about three more bands. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep it metal and rage with respect. Respect.